welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio. Join us each week as we delve into some of life's most complex questions. It's time to explore the unexplained with your hosts, Karen Frazier and Rick Hale. It is Thursday night, and if you can hear our voices, you're exactly where you need to be. She is Karen Frazier. I am Raquel. This is Paranormal Underground Radio at hazyradio.com. Welcome. So, Karen. Yes, Rick. You are joining us from the top of the show this week, unlike last week. Well, last week, you know, stuff happened. No, I know. So, this week, yes, there's no windstorm. I didn't have to drive up to Seattle. It's all good. Good. Awesome. So what is going on in Karen's part of the world? Like nothing? Seriously? Um, well, I don't know. There's things going on, you know. Okay. I I just don't think anything exciting. You know, I've got one of the boys home. The other one is coming on Saturday. Jim's off work for the week. So basically, here's what's going to happen is that all of this peace and quiet that I've had, and mm-hmm. only having to clean up after myself because Jim's always at work and the kids aren't here mm-hmm. is going to go to hell in a handbasket because they're all going to be here. So I'm not going to have peace and quiet and I'm going to have to clean up after all three of them. <laughs> no, 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 no. They no. do not clean up after themselves. But on the other hand, I'm thrilled that they're all going to be around because I like them and I like to spend time with them even though they're messy, messy little suckers. There you go. Yeah, well, that, well, isn't that what the holidays is all about? Spending time with people that you, you know, normally. You know, it is for dudes. Avoid contact, I guess. It I, is I for dudes. But here's the thing, and Cheryl can probably back me up on this for a lot of women who are mothers and wives or mothers and fiancés. We do everything for the holidays. So, well, the guys are like, yeah, cool. Kick back, drink some beers, watch some football, eat some good food. Yeah. Open some presents. We are buying presents, wrapping presents. We're buying presents for the in-laws. We're planning meals. We're inviting people. We're keeping the house clean. We're making sure everybody gets where they need, you know, all of that stuff. So I, I think that the holidays, I think that life really it's a different experience. Would you agree with that, Cheryl, for women than it is for men? Oh, totally. I agree 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I, okay. I'm sure it's not that in every in every case. I'm sure that, you know, in some cases, the workload may be more evenly distributed or the, the guy is the one that does it. But at least in my family, I keep it all together. And everybody else, I might, what I tell Jim and the kids all the time is all you guys have to do is show up. <laughs> I, 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 they get out of bed and show up. I mean, that's what they have to do. I get out of bed and I, I dust mop the floors and I do the load of laundry and I empty the dishwasher and, you know, I've been up for like two hours before I even sit down and have like something to drink. Right. <laughs> well, but it's okay. Happy holidays. That's right. Happy holidays. But it's okay. I'm just saying, and oh, and although I will say that Jim is the present wrapper in our house, because uh-huh. everything that I wrap looks like it's been wrapped by Stumpy the One-Armed Elf. <laughs> I'm really, really bad at wrapping presents, and Jim, when he was a little kid, he used to find his gifts, and he'd sneak open them, and yep. then... And then wrap them up all neat and tidy. And so his deviousness as a child means he's just a kick and gift wrapper now. 
I am a horrible gift wrapper. I, I mean, it's I, I, I'm just terrible at it. It means you weren't a devious child. No, it means that, uh, you know, gift bags are, you know, the thing for me, so. You know, gift Here's bags gift bag. have made it a lot easier. Oh, yeah. And what I do now is I order everything on Amazon mm-hmm. and have it gift wrapped. <laughs> oh, yeah, they gift wrap stuff, don't they? They do, and it's awesome. lovely. It makes life so much better. I was um, cleaning out my pantry, and I came across, like, years' worth of Christmas wrap, gift wrap scraps the other day. (laughs) Just (laughs) piles and piles of scraps that maybe you could wrap, like, you know, a pair of earrings or something with. I don't know why I save them, because. (laughs) Because, yeah. I could make, like, a patchwork quilt out of them and then wrap it with that. Right. See? Yep. Yeah, I I, uh, I like I like using the uh, the funny papers from the Sunday news uh-huh. papers. That always that that works so well. Yeah, Jamie just loves that. Let me tell you, she just loves it. It's very romantic. It, it it shows that you put a lot of thought and love into what you're doing. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Well, you know, when Tanner was a little kid, um, I used to he and I would like make little Christmas stamps out of potatoes. Uh huh. And then we would make our own hand-stamped wrapping paper and, you know, and we'd do like the little gingerbread houses and we'd bake batches and batches of, of cookies. And, you know, that I mean, that kid had just these fantastical Christmases for most of his childhood until, and so he came home this year and I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about not putting up a tree. <laughs> <laughs> but we yeah. put up the tree. <laughs> Yeah, I think I don't. I don't think my brother and his partner. I don't think those two guys put up a tree this year. I don't think they do any decorating. In fact, they're in Hawaii for the next three weeks, so forget about it. You know, must be nice. That's the way to do. What well, we did, Mike. We, we put up the tree. We have two family traditions. One is that we put up the tree, of course. I mean, now when the kids were little, we used to have lots of them, but they've kind of grown out of them. But the other family tradition that we have is I make them take me out and drive for hours looking at Christmas lights because I'm looking for that house, the one that you can see from space. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the holy grail of houses. And there is one about 10 miles from here. And we went the other night to drive past it, and they ha- it, you could tell it was all decorated, but their lights were off. Right. Was so disappointed. Yeah, but ha- have you seen that television show? What te- what television show? There's like it's like I think it's on ABC right now or whatever. It's it's like one of those reality based television shows to see who could, you know, put put how many ever lights and do whatever kind of decorating so that their home and property is seen from space. Swear to you, it's a real television show. Well, I would probably like that because I love driving around looking at places and I critique them. I'm very <laughs> I like almost take a scorecard with me. And the boys pretend to hate it, but they secretly like it, you know. Right. So yeah. we've we've done it for years. Last year, Tanner insisted on driving. So we went all these different places and nobody had lights up. Jim knows where all the good lights are because he knows I'm going to make him do it. So we tried to do it the other night. And because my as seen from space house was off, I was like, nope, it's over. We'll do it another night. <laughs> so we'll probably do it Saturday would be my guess. Right. Yeah, out 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 by us we have a a, a town of Lincolnwood. They have what's called a um it's a little bit closer to the city than we are. They have what's called Candy Cane Lane. And yeah, Candy we Cane used to Lane have that is too. Amazing. It's And there's it, always like that one house in the corner that hasn't done anything. Right. In this whole neighborhood of houses that are yeah. Right. 
Well, you know, my, my wife, my wife grew up in, um, or Jamie, sorry, my wife, that I, I Jamie, she grew wife, up, okay. yeah, she, she grew up in, um, in the town of Buffalo Grove and the Buffalo, Buffalo Grove has a very large Jewish population and there's this one neighborhood, it's called Terramare and I'm not kidding you, the, the, the menorah in front of these, in front of this family's home must stand like 20 feet tall, See, now that'd be impressive, I'd like to see that. It's amazing. I, you know, we didn't get a chance to get out there this year. Otherwise, I would take, you know, taking a picture and, you know, send it to you. But um, it's amazing. And it's like as the eight days of Hanukkah go on, they, you know, light up one of the candles. And I, I'm not kidding. You, this thing's like 20 feet. It's the biggest menorah I've ever seen. Now, I'd be really impressed if they had a giant dreidel spinning outside the front of their house. Well, maybe you should send them an email and they can get to work on that for you. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to see that. that. That would really impress me. Well, I really would. Some of the houses that we go by and look at, I would like to stop and knock on the front door and offer suggestions. But mm-hmm. I don't think that they would take them well. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I am Christmas light critic extraordinaire. Even though we don't put up any Christmas lights. And I would totally boo our house if we drove past it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody else needs to, needs to put out for me, man. They need to have those Christmas lights out. Yeah, we put we put a few out, but you know nothing major. But there's a, there's this one neighborhood that's actually very nearby where we live. They you know of course they do like the the uh, the synchronized lights with the the Trans Siberian Orchestra, mm. you know, rocking rocking and rolling and all that. And it's it's actually a lot of fun. Theo loves it. He's he thinks course. it's amazing. They're exciting for little kids, and we started doing this when the the kids were really small. And I think that it's fun with families to to have things that you do that are kind of Christmas traditions. And my family did a lot of stuff like that, and so I I, they just sort of passed it on naturally to me, and we did it for the kids. And you know, and they kind of act like they hate it, but if we didn't do it, they would be kind of cranky about it. So right, right. So, uh, hey, we have Rob St. Helen coming on tonight. That's right. We're going to be talking to Rob St. Helen. It's been a long time since he's been on the show, but he's a regular listener, and he's a yeah. you know, he's a all-around super swell guy. I know. I love me some Rob, let me tell you. And I'm uh, going to have an interesting conversation. He's working at um, the old Wheeler Hotel right now right. in Wheeler, Oregon, on the Oregon coast. And um, I've been there, and it's a fabulous place. So we'll have some interesting conversation with him, and we're we'll talk about some of his experiences there, and uh, you know, probably have some kind of more deep and profound conversations as well this evening. So stick around, guys. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll be talking to Rob St. Helen. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on HazyRadio.com. Hey, this is Karen Frazier, writer and radio host with Paranormal Underground. Since I wrote my book, Avalanche of Spirits, The Ghosts of Wellington in 2010, people have asked me what happened next. In my new book, Dancing with the Afterlife, a paranormal memoir, my Wellington story continues. Dancing with the Afterlife is more than the continuation of the Wellington story, however. It's also the story of a lifetime of afterlife research and paranormal encounters. What I've learned has changed my life, and it might change yours as well. To learn more about Dancing with the Afterlife or to read an excerpt from the book, visit dancingwiththeafterlife.com. Thank you. 
Hey everyone, Chucky G here. Come join me on my show, In the Dark Radio, where we talk with guests on everything from ghosts to cryptids. Starting from 10.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern, come into the zone and have some fun, right here on the AZ Radio Network. Babies, you gotta just roll with that flow. Yeah, right into the great daylight as the sun arises right there in your heart. Starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time and running right into high noon. You've got the Coyote Medicine Show in the mornings with your host, Grandpa Peter Coyote, helping you take flight right into the heart, baby. That's right. You gotta know, you gotta get in the flow. The Coyote Medicine Show, only on the Hazy Radio Network. Hey, Hazy Radio listeners. Do you like animated movies and TV shows? Do you ever wonder just what goes into making the magic that appears on your screen? Join Doug Engler and Brandon Ahrens every Sunday night for Animazing Radio. Animazing will feature everything in the animation arena, from voice actors and actresses to illustrators, producers, and more. Only on Animazing Radio will you find the very best in animation from around the world. Catch Animazing Radio every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on the Hazy Radio Network.
Hi, this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect like those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. Hey everybody, welcome back to Paranormal Underground Radio on HazyRadio.com. We are your hosts, Karen and Rick. Joining us tonight is investigator, researcher, and all-around super swell guy, Rob St. Helen. Uh, Rob, thank you so much uh, so much for coming back to the underground. Well, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to have you with yeah. us. So, you know... Rob uh, was writing for Paranormal Underground for a while, and you were when we last spoke. You were at the Haunted Heathman Hotel, and you wrote Correct. a fabulous column for us for quite a while. But Lovely. you have left one haunted hotel for another. But I do believe you are now working your dream job. Am I correct? Correct. Correct. Well, so, I am down. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so am, you need to give us more than one word answers. That's all That's all I was going to say, Rob. Right. <laughs> and I will. I, I am actually down in Wheeler, Oregon now, working at the old Wheeler Hotel. Which is which an is, amazing place. Correct, Amundo. It's uh, full of activity and uh, got a great boss that totally has my back, and, and uh, it's it's a fun place to be. Yeah. So, um, let's, so where do you want to start? Because you, you contacted me and said, I want to come on the show and because you've had some experiences and I mentioned, just kind of teased it real briefly at the end of the last show that, Mm -hmm. um, that you were there before you started working there and, and you almost died. And I'm assuming that that's what you wanted to come on and talk about. Yes, it is. Uh, we always hear the negative about investigations. Um, careful what you do, you get scratched, you get pushed, uh, which is always a possibility. Um, but I believe there are some spirits out there that are still wanting to help out and do good, uh, especially in my case, which was in uh, late April of this year, into May, um, I I almost died, and I was. Katie, who is the owner, had told me that she was fighting kind of a stomach flu bug, um, and so I thought I had caught that on a Sunday night. I was just going to sleep it off. And you were staying and at the hotel at the time. Correct. I was staying at the hotel. I was working both jobs at the time. So I was working at the Heathland Hotel, uh, working my four days there, driving down to Wheeler and doing my training down there. So this was actually my last weekend of, of training before I left Heathland Hotel. Um, I was in, in a room, and I'm going to try to make a huge story kind of short. Um, I wasn't feeling well. I thought I had caught what, what, uh, Katie had caught a little flu bug, figured I would sleep it off. Um, started feeling like I was going to, um, 
throw up, so I went to the bathroom, and the second I hit the door frame of the bathroom, it felt like I got sucker punched twice in the gut. I mean, I just killed over, doubled up in pain. I have a pretty good threshold when it comes to pain. I can handle quite a bit. Yeah. As I, as I turned around, I remember my head hitting the door frame um, pretty hard. In fact, I think I had a bruise on my left temple from it. So I was already kind of going downhill, downhill without even knowing about what was going on. Okay. I climbed up on the bed and, um, and I knew I was going to throw up. So I was looking for the, the waste paper basket and did not make it. Um, I threw up complete blood and I remember texting Katie at 9.28. I don't think that'll be a time I'll ever forget that time. And for some reason, she answered right on the, right on the spot. Because um, usually when you text her, it takes about 10 or 15 minutes before she replies. Okay. For some reason that night, everything went absolutely perfectly for me to survive. What had happened was I heard Katie come in. And the last thing I heard was, I'll be right back. That is the last thing I heard of her. I was told that I had six paramedics on the bed working on me. And one of them was the fire chief. When he first turned the corner, looked at Katie and said, is he already dead? I guess I was extremely white and blood everywhere. Um, every time they would sit me up, I would lose consciousness uh, lay me down, and I just had the, the smallest pulse that could be detected. Um, the last thing I was told was they had to cut my shirt, and I felt two tugs, and that's the last thing before I slipped into a coma. And from what I've been told, I was put in a restraint chair rushed downstairs via the elevator and then quickly loaded up into an ambulance where they hightailed me to Tillamook Hospital where they started a double arm mass blood transfusion to see if I would even survive the night. How, what, was the be, percentage, what was the percentage of your blood that you lost, Rob? Uh, when, the, when I had woke up that Thursday afternoon, the doctor came in and told me I had lost 75% of my blood. I don't know how you survived wow, that. I had, the doctor explained it to me as, as two hoses. Mm -hmm. What had happened was my liver, I, I've been dealing with a bad liver pretty much all my life. The first time anything happened, my son was seven months old. The doctor came in and said, I'm not sure if you're going to see your son turn one or not. We really have no answer why this is going on. He is now 17. So that kind of gives you a time frame of how long I've been dealing with this. Right. The doctor came in and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to phrase it like hoses. You have two hoses. Your liver exploded more or less, into your stomach. That's hose one that was turned on full blast, 100%. I had six veins that, due to the pressure through my esophagus, those six veins also popped 
and that's the second hose at 50%, both of them gushing blood. So I lost 75% of my blood. And uh, once I got to Tillamook Hospital, they, again, they, they did the double arm mass blood transfusion um, to see if I'd survive the night, which, mm. which I did. They life-lighted me over to St. Vincent's Hospital here in, in uh, Beaverton, where I was placed in ICU for two days, I believe it was. I was in a coma during this whole time, so I don't remember anything. This is what everybody's been told, telling me. Mm-hmm. Uh, ICU in two days. Uh, and then I got my own room later that Wednesday afternoon, I believe. I woke up on a Thursday afternoon, <clears throat> excuse me, and I knew where I was, but um, still obviously cloudy of, of what was going on. And I think the thing that really helped me out in that aspect was my son was there the whole time. Um, and for a 17-year-old to sit there for three days um, and not sigh, this is boring, I want to go home, he was an absolute trooper. He, he helped me out tremendously. But uh, I woke up that Thursday afternoon, and he was there, and he helped me out, as I said. On Friday, they did a small surgery on my neck, as if I hadn't bled enough. And they went on the inside of my, excuse me, they went on the right side of my, my vein on my, of my neck, drilled a hole through my liver, and attached another makeshift vein to my stomach, bypassing the liver um, of the hard pounding blood uh, that was that was being passed through. So now I like to say I just have like the four little fingers feeding the liver, nice, easy, uh, gentle pushes. And so far that that has worked. Well, um, thank God. Wow. Yeah, if, if any of that makes sense. <laughs> um, it, no, it, it, it does. I, I mean, watched it's, it's, the video, so it does. I mean, you, you, you posted a video of what, of the bypass right. surgery. So, yeah, it totally but, does. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess during this whole time, I, I did not know this. I was told later that I was able to hear people as they talked. But, of course, I was out of it. They would tell me, squeeze your left hand, squeeze my hand, and I'd do it. And if anybody really knows me, I, I like to make people laugh, you know, enjoy themselves and whatnot. When the doctor came in and said, we think he's going to make it, we're going to remove all the breathing tubes and all that from his, from his throat here in a couple minutes, my sister, being the nutcase that she is, asked if she can photobomb a picture of me with the, with the uh, breathing tubes and everything still in my, my throat. And I instantly put up two thumbs. <laughs> so, so that's that's kind of, that's kind of fitting. And there's actually a picture of that on Facebook. You probably I've seen for that picture bit, as so. well. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was my my near death experience, and I've been dealing with some after effects effects from that just recently, which Karen knows, and she's been helping me out a little bit here and there. Okay. Um, 
every time, not every time, but a good portion of the time when I pass that room where all this happened, I don't know if it's a gift or a curse, but I can, I can kind of put myself back in almost a 3D dimension and watch myself being worked on by all the paramedics. That's the out-of-body and, experience. It's very common in a near-death experience. Right. Is it? Okay. Um, and and somehow I, I'm trying to work on trying to shake that because I still got to work in that room every day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's, yeah. I, I do get kind of nervous about walking into that room. I do, but. Um, and that was the room that you always stayed in, too. Right. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was that was uh, that's the near death experience in, in in that hotel. Why do I say um, I think there's good doctors that or good spirits that still want to help? That morning, I was leaving Wheeler to go back to work in Portland. Uh-huh. I truly believe. At first, I thought I was attacked, but after talking to some friends, and and I forgot to talk to them excuse me, to get their permission to use their names on, on here. So I won't, and I forgot to, so I won't use their names, but after talking to, to them, they came down to Wheeler actually and helped me out. Um, I really started looking at it as a different perspective of he actually helped me out in the fact that he made sure it happened there at the hotel where I was able to get immediate help when I needed it. And, and I've been driving Rob? home. Yeah, who's he? I believe it was Dr. Reinhardt himself. Okay. Because the hotel is a former medical clinic. Correct. It was yeah. built in 1920. Real quick history. It was built in 1920, possibly opened up as a brothel for the loggers. Um, Cause okay. it's in the and Pacific then, Northwest where everything is a brothel. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> exactly. It's like Dunkin' Donuts in the back of the brothel. Um, <laughs> may not be a bad idea. Anyways, um, for for the loggers that would that would come into town for the weekend or for the week, um, he was very cutting edge with his arthritic um, uh, treatments and stuff like that. He wanted to run a hospital in the basement. He was turned down that, so he secretly did it there. But anyways, he was top of his game for for that. I still think he he walks the halls and he again made sure that I got the help that I needed immediately, knowing that I was leaving the next morning. I could have easily bled out, gone over a cliff, not to be found for a number of days, or crashed into a big dirt bank, um, a tree, and that would have been guaranteed death. Well, you know what, Robin? It's so interesting. I mean, I, I, as a researcher and investigator, and I know that Karen will agree, we love hearing stories about the positive things that that spirits do because all you ever hear about these days are like, well, this spirit attacked me and it scratched me and it's a demon and it's you know it's evil. But it's like you you've had a very very life changing experience with the, with a very kindly mm-hmm. spirit by the sound of it. <clears throat> yes. Um, which again, I, at first I did not think that it was, it was helping me. I thought I was attacked by the simple fact of 
the second I hit that bathroom door frame, I got sucker punched twice, and it just killed me over. It, I just doubled up and crawled. Yeah, literally that crawled was your liver into, exploding, dude. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I just, you know, I had a lot of people watching over me. Our our permanents, what we call them down there, our, our permanents, uh, watching over me, and 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 uh, somehow I I pulled through. Well, oh, and, and the spirits there are really lovely spirits. They are, um, mm-hmm. you know. So, so I, I totally, I totally buy that. But I want to talk about some of the after effects because you're clearly had at some point. It sounds like what you're seeing in the room is almost like you're having a PTSD flashback to an out of body experience, where you're seeing the paramedics working on you and you're seeing it from a mm-hmm. Perspective, which is a right. very classic sign in a, in a near death experience. It's a very common experience. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, I flat out asked you when we when when you first approached me and started talking about this, did you have a near death experience? And you said, "Well, I don't really think I did." Mm-hmm. So I, so have you? Do you still think that that it wasn't or? No, uh, after thinking about it a lot, after talking to you, after thinking about it a lot, it, it definitely was. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just the way it keeps coming back, and it, it, well, again, it's yeah. and that's what it's, I was it's say just because obviously just that room psychologically. And I'm not just talking about the, the you seeing yourself in the room, but psychologically, a lot of the things you have said to me are very characteristic of people having near-death experiences. It's changed how you look at things, and it's changed totally. your priorities. Totally. So um, why do you talk about right. that? <laughs> uh, it's totally changed the way I, I, I look at things. Um, I was actually... I was actually ready to give up the whole paranormal investigating game 100%. Um, just because I did not know how to deal with seeing myself in that third dimension, if you will, um, being worked on by six guys, seeing 75% of my blood all over the ground. And it, it honestly frightens the hell out of me. Sure. And sure, so I was, I was just kind of like, you know what? I, I wasn't going to go to the Oregon Ghost Conference this year. And, and I am now um, through talking with, with Karen and, and some others. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's totally changed the way I looked um, at investigation. I, I – I really don't even want to investigate team-wise anymore, probably mm-hmm. cause, just because I have it so much at work that I don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. So you were already moving in that direction before this happened because right. we've talked about that before, that it's more just being around them as opposed to using instruments and investigating. <clears throat> right. Right, exactly. Um, the only reason I really stayed in it was because a good friend of mine approached me and she had a huge workload and she wanted me to take over a a team and kind of be the director and and the whole nine yards. And as a favor to her, um, 
I did it. And then a couple months later, Katie and I became friends. We started talking more. And then this job opportunity opportunity down in Wheeler came up. And so I, I had to jump at it because I was unhappy at the Heathland Hotel. Um, and I knew I needed a change. Yeah. Yeah. So well, the thought of me, the, the thought of me really getting out of the game has, has been with me for quite some time. Yeah. Sure. Well, and I know that we had a conversation and you were really trying to figure out some of the effects because I think one of the things, and, and you can correct me if I am wrong, but it seems mm-hmm. to me that one of the things that your experience has done seems to have heightened some abilities that you have. Would you agree with that? Yes. Totally. Okay. Um, Go ahead and talk about that then. <laughs> um, you told me nothing I, I, was off limits, dude. So, you know. No, you, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing is off limits. Okay. I can, beforehand, I would not see much. Um, you it, saw it, more than you is, saw. That's not true, Rob. I know because I worked with you a couple of times. You saw more than you were willing to admit to yourself. Okay. Yeah. We can put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we can put it that way. Or I didn't realize how much I was seeing. Is, is, yeah. It's probably another good way to put it, too. Mm-hmm. But now that I've, I've really opened myself up and, and allowed myself to really learn what's going on, I can, I can see that I can see and hear a lot more. Um, the, the whispers at work, the, the permanents talking to me, it's like night and day. Beforehand, I wouldn't really hear them much, but now I, I hear them almost every day that I'm, I'm down in Wheeler. They're always saying something. Now, Rob, look, and I never. Ask... Sure. Sorry, if I, if I could just interrupt. See, it's a, this is something that I that I hear quite often. Um, you know, and and these are you know even case studies that you know going back decades of people having near death experience or whatever that they come back with these kind of things. Now, I personally believe that there is a um, a biological component um, that is involved with you know working you know in concert with something spiritual. But why do you think that is? What, what 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 is it about the experience that opens that up? And you know, Karen, I I want you to answer as well. I mean, what 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 do you guys think? Why? I think for myself, um, having the near death experience, having all all the support that I that I found. Mm-hmm. From everybody, it, it, again, it, it's it's amazing who the the number of people that supported me during this. Rob um, learned how much he was loved, <laughs> didn't it, you? It's it's very humbling. Um, That's awesome. When I fired up my when I fired up my phone, I had eighty six text messages. When I fired up my laptop for for um, Facebook, I had over one hundred twenty, and it it it's still amazes me today <clears throat> that so much support but I can I've learned that with all that support I can allow myself to to open up and know that there's people out there that I can turn to 
mm-hmm. if I need help besides just one person or this person. There's a whole grab bag of people that are more than happy to will and willing to help me out, which has allowed me to to um, really open myself up to to what's in the area uh, hotel. Yeah. Sure. Hopefully that answers your your question. Yeah. yeah. Rick, and I think that, you know, I've never had a near-death experience. Knock on wood. Let's hope I don't until I die. Okay. Um, but I, I think that the other thing is I think that when you have that near-death experience, and I guess that's not true. I have through hypnosis because I've been regressed into past lives through my death and other lives and into life between lives. And, I mean, that doesn't compare with what Rob went through, obviously. But um, I think that once you get a glimpse of what's on the other side, it allows you to realize your potential when you're back here. Sure. So, I, I, you know, I think that that's a lot of what it is. So, Rob, one of the things that when, when I talked to you about it was I suggested that you sit down and try some automatic writing because you were still trying to figure this out at that point. Mm-hmm. Did you try that? Mm-hmm. I did. Um, I would sit in the office or or in my apartment and TV off, everything off, just just nice and quiet, relaxed. And it's one of those things where, I've, again, I've got to learn to just let the pen write. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and whether it makes sense then or three years from now, I don't know. But i got to allow the pen just to write and not worry about... Um, what's on the paper. Yeah, and so, allow is the perfect word, isn't it? You have to allow it. It is. It is. It is different. Right. I mean, I have never seen automatic writing before. And, I mean, I've I've read about it, of course, and, you know, I've heard other people talk about it, but yeah. it's it's just, it's remarkable. And, and it, you know, some of the messages that you can come up with. You know, I do it, and I recently, for some reason, on investigations, they've been making me draw. So, oh, okay, (laughs) I've been automatic drawing too, which is really hilarious because I'm a terrible artist. So, so did you did you get anything out of that automatic writing? Did it open up any insights to you, or was it just gibberish? Uh, To me, it was gibberish. But Mm -hmm. again, I'm brand new to it. Um, If I think if if I hand over the papers to you, somebody that's that's done it for a while and, and understands it. Maybe there's a pattern to what I'm writing or or putting down on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to me, it, it just looks like a little kid scribbles. Okay, maybe that's just my handwriting too. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it's, <clears throat> for me, it's, it's tough to say that it's actually brought anything out. Well, but the other thing... I'm going to keep working on it. Yeah, and one of the reasons I suggested it to you was as a path to clearing your mind. Because I find that, you know, whether it's meditation or, you know, making little kids scribbles on papers or whatever it is, it it's clearing your mind it's it's a path to you stepping outside of your ego and i'm not saying that you have a huge ego or anything but we all have ego and when you're doing the kind of work that you're you're you've been working your way towards um there's no place for ego and so it's a tool to set ego aside right 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 because if you have any ego and this is something i just learned by doing this free writing if you have any ego 
it's not going to work for you at all. You spend the whole time worrying about, what am I doing? Am I writing gibberish? Is this stupid? Oh, my God, right. I'm an idiot. Thank God nobody's exactly. watching me. Yeah, exactly. I know. Been there, done that. <laughs> and your mind is totally somewhere else where it should be down this other street, you know, and, and concentrating or, or just absolutely nothing on it. But you've got stuff on your mind because you're worried about it. Mm-hmm. Ego. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and when we, when we did, like, William's class um, at the Wheeler, and mm-hmm. you and I were working together over by the elevator, remember? Mm-hmm. And yep. you just, I mean, you didn't want to tell me what you were seeing because you didn't want to look like an idiot. And so I right. would ask you questions and tell you to give me the first answer that came into your mind. Yep. And yep. they were, I mean, they were right on with the same stuff that was coming into my mind. Now, who knows if we were right or not. But the point is, is that you had set aside your ego and you stopped being afraid that I was going to judge what you were telling me. Right, right. And I just got to allow that to happen. Yeah, and it's tough. I mean, it's not an easy thing to do. Trust me, I've fought it for years, so I understand. <laughs> you know, you see, mm-hmm. people, you see people who do it, and it's so effortless for them. And um, Those are the people that's been doing it for 10, yeah. 15, 20 years, too. Yeah, I was going to say, and I, I, the person who always comes to mind for me is Seth, Seth Michael. Um, Right. You know, just, I mean, it just flows out of them. It's effortless. And I'd like to be there, and I'm getting closer to being there. But, man, I have had to, for years, fight with my ego to actually be able to do it. Because you're right. When you say it to somebody, what if I'm wrong? Well, who cares if you're wrong? Right. Sure. So. Right. There, there's no way that other person can prove that you're right or wrong. It's, it's all a, a, a judgment call. And um, unless you got some kind of detailed information that you know for a fact is this person, it's the lady in white that's, that surrounds this corner, both of you can be right. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I'm working on it. So and, I, and I, I do enjoy uh, doing that, though. Mm-hmm. It is. Although I will tell you, I um, have you... I, I and I may be wrong, but I think you mentioned that you might also be starting to work in empathy a lot. Uh, you told me that, right? Right, right. Okay. And so that with, go ahead. That that kind of goes back with something I've never dealt with before. Yeah, it's, I don't it's think tough. I, I that that one's new. That one's yeah, new, yeah. and that one that one shakes me a little bit when I get to that point. And I will say with my, because I'm empathic as well, and I have had some of my strongest empathic experiences at the Wheeler, which makes me wonder how you're doing with that. Usually I'm okay. It's, okay. It, everything surrounds that, that room. Mm-hmm. I'm fine going anywhere. Lights out, pitch black. I'm fine. It, nothing bothers me until I reach that room. And it's not every time. It's it's like I, I kind of was the word I'm looking for. I kind of think that the doctor Reinhardt is, is in that room whenever I get that feeling. And uh I, I it's almost like I have to run past it. Yeah. Just because I, I I can't not yet, at least. I, I can't control that, that feeling that I get at, at, at times. Yeah. So I definitely do speed up my walk by that room. Right. 
So is your re-experiencing in that room, and you may not know, but do you think it's psychological or do you think it's spiritual? I mean, is it happening for a reason that maybe you need to figure out, or is it happening because you're having you're you're having kind of traumatic flashbacks? I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Because I can walk I, I can walk by that room and again, it doesn't happen every time, but when I least you know, expect it because you know, it's an open door. You look in open doors. Yeah. It's a natural thing. Everybody does it. Bam! I can poof see myself on the bed with blood all over the carpets and and the paramedics up on the bed just working on me. And then I like I'm frozen for probably a good thirty seconds, and I'll, I'll realize what's going on. And then I can I can slowly get myself moving again. Yeah. So I want to say it's 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 a little in the head. <laughs> um. But as, as well as as just kind of a uh, replay of, of things. Yeah. Okay, so um, I have a couple of questions for you. Elaine texted mm-hmm. me one. And I know we've talked mostly about your experience there, but you're also in quite a haunted location. And, I, you know, like Correct. I say, I've had some pretty in- interesting experiences Intense. there. Intense. Yeah, and mine... My biggest, most intense experience, and the one I was actually wondering about, is is Mary Margaret. I mean, she just grabbed mm-hmm. a hold of me, and uh, for several, well, you were there. I wouldn't even go on the rest of the mm-hmm. investigation with you guys. I had to go into my right. room um, because right. it was so, so intense, and it took several hours for that to wear off. So that's kind of who I was wondering about was if, you know, or if she just does that to the chicks or if you've had that kind of a connection with Mary Margaret because it was it was almost a shattering connection. It was so, I, I, the depth right. of her fragility and sadness is just, yeah, Huge. wow. Yeah. Um, as a rule, I don't go down that hall, period, yeah. because I don't want to bother her. Yeah, I know. At all. Um, we recently had a group in uh, overnight, and we had a guy that thought he was being a big shot, and even though I blocked the hallway up, he went through the morgue, and he was going to go through the side door, and was she let it be Mary known. Was he going to go Margaret's space? Right. Oh. Right. After he was told not to. Yeah. She um, didn't like men. Yeah, she did not like that at all. And she actually took it out on this guy's girlfriend. Um, obviously, she was there. Um, she actually had to get out of the basement. She would not come back down. And um, I went into the morgue myself, and it had it was like something I had never felt or witnessed before in that uh, morgue area. Yeah. But she definitely let us know that don't screw with me because I don't want you back here. No, she doesn't. She wants to be left alone. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Elaine texted and she wants to know what paranormal occurrence at the Wheeler has had the most effect on you. Probably Charlie. Charlie's a, a, a I believe Charlie was one of the old vision doctors. 
and I could be wrong. I would have to check with Katie. Um, I believe his office office was room number six back oh, in the day. Oh, that's the room I stayed in. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. When somebody stays in that room, he comes over to my to my place, my apartment, and starts knocking on the refrigerator. And now he has started doing that whether somebody's in six or not. Oh, well, and he it likes usually you. starts off. Yeah, I believe, or it starts off quiet, but you can definitely it, it picks up and it gets loud. And almost every night now, I, I've got a Charlie. No one's in six. Go over there. Let me have my quiet. And so, and that's almost a nightly, a, a nightly occurrence now. Um, oh, wow. There was a, yeah, there was a smoke alarm in the room that was hardwired. Um, so there's no reason why that smoke alarm should be going off unless there's a fire, the smoke. Um, he would make it beep. And if you, if you upset him, he would set it off and just continuously beep. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. Um, but I think, I think the, the spirits there are starting to finally come around and noticing that I'm there for the right reasons. Yeah. Sure. That I'm not there to to hurt the hotel, but I, I want to do right by the hotel um, and the permanents. And yeah. I think I think the biggest thing there is, is Mrs. Waterhouse um, has a has a big thing there too. Um, what am I trying to say? Mrs. Waterhouse was, I believe, a nurse back in the day. Very stern. Never well, she smiles, wanders around never... in the piano area. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and, I met her. <laughs> yep. And I think that's Ron sat on her lap. Um, he did. <laughs> he did. I yeah. think I freaked her out at first because I saw her come into the gift shop, and I actually told her, I just saw you come in and I think that really frightened her right off the bat mm-hmm. and uh, now, she, now she knows when I come she waits for me at the top of the stairs uh, and then she just kind so of follows me around now. yeah well and they do I mean they're they're warm and accepting and I do think that they can pick out the people and I, I hate saying it the people who are there for the right reasons because it sounds I'm on, like I'm on the freaking bachelor or something but right. but that's true <laughs> but it's that's, true that's I think true. that they can pick out because Mary Margaret wasn't mean to me or anything she just needed me to understand how she felt right. and uh, Mrs. Waterhouse was lovely I mean they all were very lovely to me when I was yep. there they, they were warm and cuddly and lovely and, and, and I thought they were fantastic so, but I think if you come in there and you've got kind of the wrong intentions, they're going to pick that out too, and they may not give you and as, and, and as they do. Of a time. They, uh, <laughs> yes, and they most definitely do. They are very, very, I'll say it again, very protective over Katie. Yeah. Um, who is the who is the owner, and her daughter? Um, I can say we joke around about the list. There are, Katie has a list of about 20 people that over the last nine years have worked, you know, for her, with her. Mm-hmm. And for one reason or another, they've either been fired or they had to be let go. And I would say, 
she went through the list with me a couple weeks ago. I want to say almost 18 or 19 of them have either currently have passed away or in jail. Okay. Wow. Wow. So I'm, I'm keeping on Katie's good side. Because, yeah, I was going to say, don't you, you don't yeah. piss Katie off, man. So, um, yeah, my team, South Sound Paranormal Research and, uh, Whoopi came and spent a weekend there. And I was supposed to be there, but unfortunately it was when my, the weekend my husband had his heart attack. So I didn't get to come. Um, but there was an incident <laughs> with some furniture that seemed mm-hmm. to have stacked itself in the breakfast room. And Patty texted Jenny and had Jenny ask in chat, was that ever solved? Can you explain exactly the incident and, and was there any resolution <clears throat> to that? We were playing um, a card game. Cards and it humanity. was. <laughs> yes. Oh, dear Lord, have mercy. I know. Um, Great game. <laughs> Yes. I don't even know what that uh, is. Was, I've heard of it, but I've. Oh, what is it? It's a very politically incorrect it. game. It's a game. It's a card game for horrible people. Oh, okay. Do not, do not have feel by if you watch it on no. on YouTube. No. Okay. <laughs> it is well, very triple X. <laughs> it Candy. is really funny though. <laughs> yes. Um, we were playing. That the card game, and it was one thirty ish. I'm guessing one one thirty. We're all tired. We had scooted some tables aside and put the two long tables together just so we can have one long table. And we're like, we'll fix it in the morning. Not a problem. Um, one of the ladies had to get up early, Melinda, and drive back home because she had service the next day to to, yeah, she's to a give. Pastor. Okay. At right at her, at her church. And she was running late just by a couple minutes. She ran into the breakfast room where all the tables and all that were still as, as is, you know, still a mess. You know, Patty was in room one, the floor squeaks and she was just playing on her iPad or whatever she was playing on. She did not hear anything at all. No, no floor squeaking, any noise at all. But within 15, 20 minutes of her going out there, all the tables had been put back properly, and the only thing that was messed up were two or three chairs were placed in the wrong spot. Wow. So we had people we had people texting Melinda, "Hey, did you fix the breakfast room up before you left?" And that's how we found out. No, I was running a couple minutes behind, so I had to really scoot. I had to I had to go. Well, Patty is less than. Ten feet away, she would have heard the floor squeaking. And she's got hearing like a building. bat. She hears really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she said, "I did not hear a single noise. It was just absolutely quiet as quiet could be." And to this day, no one's fessed up if anybody's did it. But these are two teams that are very highly respected, and oh, and I, I can't. Yeah. I, I can't imagine anybody doing that and saying, nope, nope, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Well, and Patty would have heard it. Yeah, exactly. So the tables were fixed and the chairs were pretty much back to normal. Just two or three chairs had to be you know, swapped around and no one heard a thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that was, that was pretty cool. 
Yeah, sorry I missed that. It would have been fun, but, you know, heart attack. I felt like I probably... Yeah. He said, well, you can go, because he was home, and he was feeling better, and but he wasn't allowed yeah. to drive yet. And he said, well, you can go. And I said, hon, if I just had a heart attack, would you go away for a weekend with your friends? And he said, well, no, that would make me a jerk. Elaine just texted me and said, I didn't do it. <laughs> we <Yeah>. know, Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> We know it yep. wasn't you. So, yeah, that was an interesting thing. So, um, let's talk a little more about the hotel. So, what else? How many spirits do you think there are there? I, I think there's a lot. <laughs> From my understanding, um, when Dr. Reinhardt got denied hospital privileges, as I put it, he secretly did it anyways down in the basement yes. doing some very odd, strange testings. Uh, oh. we're, we're talking take the blood from a rabbit or, or, or take the blood from a pregnant woman and, and insert it into a rabbit, or that, that kind of stuff. Oh. Um, some, some really strange stuff. And I have heard that a hundred Maybe 200 people would pass away down there. And the basement so, definitely has an energy to it that's very powerful. Yeah. Kind of creepy. And it, it's a good-sized basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys used to roller skate in it. Do you still? Yeah. I, I st- yes. I still have my rollerblades and, and stick and puck, and I go down there on nights I can't sleep, and, and I rollerblade down there. How fun. It's 10,000 square feet. Yeah. And so... And I think they they get a chuckle out of it whenever I come down there and, and skate around. Yeah, definitely. It's something new. Hey, did you guys give Mary Margaret a crucifix? Because that's what she kept telling me she wanted. Not that I'm aware of. Okay, she wants but one. But if that's what she wants, mm-hmm. when if that's what she wants, when I go down um, tomorrow, I will be more than happy to lay that upon, you know in her room. Yeah, she that's what she wants. That's what she kept showing me during that, you know, several hour period where she was in my head was that she wants and she was religious, she was Catholic and she wants a crucifix. Mm-hmm. So Okay. Wow. Yeah. Um I will uh I will do that. That'd be great. And the other thing, well Katie had said she was going to and I don't know if she I think she probably did. So check with Katie. But I know that that's what she okay. asked for. And the other thing that I would like to do, Rob, is, um, you know, we talked about me coming down in, in January, February after the first of the year and spending some time uh, because I'd mm-hmm. like to write a book about you guys. And um, mm-hmm. But I, I would like to spend some time in that room. Is it room two? Was that what you were in? The one, one I got. Two? Yeah. I was in room, when I got sick, I was in room seven. Room seven. So I would like to spend some time in that room uh, with you and without you and see if we can do something with the energy in there to help you so that it's not, has anybody done that yet, tried to do any energy work in there? Uh, Not not inside the room, but outside. Okay. Okay. Um, Outside, yes, but not directly inside. In fact, you just said that. I just got major chills. <laughs> yeah, it, it, well, but that's kind of why I'd like to do it. It sounds like maybe that's what needs to happen if you just got 
chills right. for it. I'm, and so I'm, I'd like to come down and do some energy work. And some of it, if you fe- would feel up to it, would probably involve you in in the room with me. It wouldn't be all of it. That's fine. But okay. Right. No, that's fine. I I totally trust you, and and you know that, and and I'm I'm more than willing to give it a shot. I'd just like to make it two things. First of all, I'd like to make it more comfortable for you. But also, if there's something in there for you that you you need to figure out, I also want mm-hmm. to spend some time in there to help you get that figured out as well. And it may be you know, a matter of me spending some time sitting in the room and seeing if they'll tell me anything. Because I, I did connect right. when I was down there with the spirits. And I, I think that they would tell me if, you know, if I can set my ego aside. <laughs> Right. When you mentioned his name before, so I'm just going to go ahead and say, because I really don't think he would mind it, Seth. Yeah. Excuse me. When he was working with me, um, he had told me that the doctor, and I, again, I think it was Dr. Reinhardt. Mm -hmm. um, He, he did it because he, he did care. And so I actually went into the room and I apologized for thinking that I was attacked at first and that I understand that he was actually trying to help me out and that I forgave him um, and that I appreciate what he did for me, even though it, it hurt like no other business. <laughs> um, yeah. And Seth said that he, he almost... Um, the doctor almost broke down in tears because he was not expecting me to to say that. Oh yeah. Oh wow. Well, so so one of the something that I get from him is that some of the experimentation. I mean, the experimentation that went on down in the basement that he was involved in. He's still mm-hmm. there because he's trying to atone for that, and right. His experience with you <clears throat> was part of that atonement. Right. So, you know, I think I think that that um he he feels well, it's upsetting to him some of the things he did in the name of his is what he thought was science. I mean, he wasn't right. like, you know, an evil torturer or anything. Um but that he he and I I I actually felt this from him when I was there too is that he has a a strong need to atone for some things. Right. So I I got I got the feeling that he did not want to cross over because he was afraid of being judged. He is. That's exactly for, right. For, Good. Yeah. See, you are getting more stuff, Rob. So. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. And you know, I'll tell you that is um, a common story I get from spirits when I try to find out while why they're still there. But I wonder, Rob, if part of your role, and I, I don't know how Katie feels about this, and I understand it's her building and things, um, but mm-hmm. I think that part of your role there is probably to help him to absolve himself and to understand that it's okay to cross. And and if that's something that you and Katie are comfortable with, that's something we can discuss when I'm there too and, and right. see if I can, can, can communicate with them. Right. Um, I, I think Katie would be fine with it. As long as it's his choice, whether he oh, knows God, that yeah. he can come and go, he's not being forced. Right, he can't um, come and go you know, once he crosses. Right, yeah. right. 
Um, so I, I think she would be fine with that. Well, and, and, and again, I'm always trying to be conscious when going into a place that somebody owns. Because um, right. if I had my way, I'd cross every single one of them. I mean, let's just be honest. It, it's, you know, it's like when, of right. course, you and I joke that we share custody of Leonard, um, the little boy from Wellington. And mm-hmm. when when I crossed Leonard, I thought, oh, God, Rob's going to kill me. And I told you, and you, you were great. <laughs> <laughs> so, you weren't mad at me. You were great. <laughs> no. He's he's just a little boy that needed to be back with his family, and if that made him happy, that's, that made me happy. So I'm I'm glad you did. Well, he crossed himself. I, I can't here, – here's the deal, Rob. I can't cross anybody. All I can do is talk to them and help them to realize um, – why the option to detach well yeah because when when they're here as ghosts and i i differentiate ghosts from spirits because i think spirits have already crossed over i think ghosts are still here and so the difference is i think ghosts are still ego identified so they still identify themselves as like like if i was dead and i was a ghost i would still identify myself as karen frazier and i'd be attached to all of those karen frazier things yeah and so, mm-hmm. like, doctor, the doctor there, he's attached to who he was. And you're right. Part of it is that he has this fear about um, right. he, he thinks he's going to hell. Right. But you can talk to him about that, and I can talk to him about that, and Katie can talk to him about that. You know, and there's things that we can do. And that may actually be part of why you're getting those flashbacks in the room too is is the you know there's some of that going on right yeah well that's 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 i felt like coming on here was part of um part of the story that he he wants to get out so that maybe i can learn that yeah you know say my bit and that the part you just told me that I can go back there and relay that to him and and possibly help him out. It just completes that circle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, you and I have had, you and I have shared connections to places and spirits before. And Mm -hmm. when that happens, that tells me that we have something to do together. And so I've always believed that about you, that you and I have something to do together. And um, this may be part of that. Yeah, I I have thought about that too. Um, kind of a, a a team team effort deal. Yeah, I think so. So we'll we'll see. Like I say, after the first of the year, we'll all I, because I want to come and spend a couple days and talk to you and talk to Katie and anybody else who's willing to talk to me about their experiences there. And if you think he mm-hmm. wants to get his story out, well, by golly, you tell me his story. It'll be in the book. <laughs> Good. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm more than happy. I I, yeah. I think I think the more I can learn out of this, obviously it's gonna be better for myself and yeah. and possibly right. hopefully for him as well, Dr. Reinhardt. Well, it's as much about your journey, Rob, as it is about the spirits. I mean, you know, that's that's one of the things that we have to come to accept when you go beyond with ghost hunting. When you go beyond ghost hunting. Because Let's mm-hmm. face it, that's where, where we started. We started as ghost hunters, and then we became right. paranormal investigators. 
And mm-hmm. now I think I what I see and hear from you um, since your experience in April is that you're moving more towards being now a spiritual seeker. And um, it's part of the natural progression. And that's right. about you as much as, as someone else. <clears throat> and I want to learn more about that, <laughs> obviously. Well... Um, you you have lots of resources. You have lots. Of, I mean, and I'm I'm not just talking about me. You know what I know is like a thimble compared to like what Seth knows. And so you have right, a lot of right. people who who can help you with that. It's amazing, and everybody's willing willing to, which is which is great. Yeah. Um, so go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say it's. I look forward to, to the first of the year when you're able to come down or whenever that time frame might be. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be a, it'll be fun to do the exercise inside the room and really put me at ease, if you will. Yeah. Well, Jenny said she'll so. come and lend her Reiki hands too. There you go. See, all sorts of good stuff. So Rob, well, we are now at the, part of the show that we call shameless self-promotion corner so um i would imagine that some people listening to this might be a little interested in the wheeler for instance yeah um yeah come on down and see me period no um our website is oldwheelerhotel.com of course the triple w and uh you can either talk to katie or myself and we always have Normally, we always have rooms available, um, and if we're not too busy, I will take you downstairs to the basement and and give you a quick little tour down there and see what you feel, and, and uh, you know, you can always walk the halls no matter what time of night it is and have fun. Well, and here's the other thing about the hotel. It's not just a haunted place. Uh, Katie right. is a wonderful innkeeper. And the rooms are really neat and really cozy. And um, you we're know, not that expensive ex- either. You're not that expensive, and the experience is great. And it's got a beautiful view. It's not on the ocean, but it's on a bay. Yep. And it's just minutes from the ocean. Yep. I will say, <clears throat> if if you go there looking to see something, I can guarantee you, you most likely will not see anything. But I will guarantee you, you will get some good EVPs. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that, that is something that has always produced, those EVPs. Oh, so bring sound recorders, if you like, and, and uh, I can guarantee you, upstairs, basement, you will get something. Well, and Katie is, I just think I need to say this, Katie is hugely protective of her permanence. And yeah. so anybody who goes there... You need to be super respectful, or Katie will drag you by the ear and throw you out on the street. <laughs> so, and then she remember that list. She's, what's that? Yeah, and the list. That's right. Yeah. You, you don't want to piss Katie off, folks. <laughs> no, no. She, um, like you said, she is very protective, as they are to her. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So respect is a huge, huge thing. There's absolutely no provoking. Otherwise, we'll just kick you out. Yeah. And uh, we have, I don't know if she wants me to say this yet, but we're working on some small little packages coming up 
that we hope to introduce at the Oregon Ghost Conference um, coming up in April, I believe it is. So Katie and I will both be at the conference. Great. Yep. And I'll be there. Patty and I will be there. We've got our museum book. So Good. Well, I'm excited. I'm really excited that you and Katie were willing to let me do a book about the Wheeler because I have to tell you, I've been thinking about it for a long time. And then mm-hmm. when you, you contacted me and you said, you know, hey, I want to come on the show and I really think that this is what's happening with me. And I thought, well, now there's the, because, you know, I like to put a lot of heart into the stories that I like, right? I like to humanize the spirits as much as possible so people right. understand a different way of looking at ghosts. Mm-hmm. And um, so when you contacted me and told me that, I was like, okay, yeah, this is what's supposed to happen. So I'm excited. Right. Plus, I just love, so I. I just love being there. It's just a really lovely place. It's very relaxing. Um, yeah. And, and again, like there's nothing there that's that's going to hurt anybody. No. And and uh, as long as you treat them with respect, remember they were there first. They're they're going to be fine. Yep. Exactly. All right, well, Rob, this has been great, and I appreciate your willingness to be so open with all of this because I know a lot of it is stuff that you're still coming to terms with. True. Uh, yes, it, it is, and I appreciate you guys having me on again. And, and uh, oh, thanks for coming on. Trying to make sense of some of the stuff I've said. <laughs> yeah, well, anytime. So, Rob, we're going to let you go. Have a very Merry Christmas. I hope you do something Thank you wonderful. All. Happy holidays. And, um, I'll be at work. Yeah, and I have to tell you, you know, I think I have never been more thankful in my life than when we heard that you were being taken off of the breathing tubes and that you were going to make it because that was a really scary couple of days for all of us. Well, thank you. Um, Yeah, it's, like I said before, it's very humbling, the number of of supporters that uh, reached out to me. I have people from Boston, Atlanta, uh, uh, Boston, Montana, Alabama, up and down the West Coast. It's it's humbling, very humbling. Yeah, I still choke up about it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Jenny says you so, did great. You all. all right, well, Rob, so have have a happy holiday, and uh, I will get with you after the first of the year. Sounds good. All Thank right. you, Rick and Cheryl. Yep. Happy tell holidays, Katie, to everybody. Tell Katie hi. We'll do. Tell Mary Margaret hi for me too. I will deal. I'll make sure she gets that crucifix one way or the other. Fantastic. All right. Good night. Night. Good night. All right, you guys. There you go. Rob St. Helen. I told you he had a rather um, harrowing but interesting story to tell, didn't I? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's an amazing um, story of survival. Sorry if my throat is kind of scratchy. Apparently, the uh, cold that has been, I can I can no longer fight the cold that is coming on. Well, Theo's been sick, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been sick the last couple of days, but um, it looks like I'm going to actually... You're a little bit quiet, Rick. Is there any way, can you move your thing closer to your mouth or something? No, that's that's a, that's about as close as that's it's going to That's actually better. Okay, sorry about that. My voice is just really scratchy. Yeah, but with Rob, though, it's a um, definitely, it's it's an amazing story of survival and, you know, how positive the spiritual realm can be. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate because, like I say, he's I know he's really still working to come to grips with it. Right. And so the fact that he's and, and I think talking about it helps, of course. But the fact that he's 
he feels so strongly about the message that has come out of it that he wants to come on and share it is, um, you know, kudos to him. Right. You know, it's like I wanted to ask him to, and I'll probably, I'll, I'm probably just going to, um, you know, uh, message him later on. But it's like, you know, what I, I wanted to ask him what his to him, what is his role now? Is he going to be the mouthpiece of these spirits in this uh, in this location? And um, I don't think know. he knows yet. I think that's what he's trying to figure out, and that's yeah. why I've suggested he do, does some of the stuff like the automatic writing and the meditation, and and why I want to go down and and spend some time in the room with him and things like that is because I don't think he's quite figured that out yet. But I don't think sometimes it's something that you figure out. I think you figure it out as you're doing it. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I mean, it's like yeah. you know, when you, somebody like myself who is merely sensitive, um, you know, compared to people like you, and it sounds like Rob has his you know things turned up now. It's uh, yeah, it's, you, you guys are definitely more of the mouthpiece of the spiritual realm. <laughs> well, you know, I got a big mouth, so there you go. <laughs> And Rob's a pretty humble guy, pretty, you know, easygoing, yes, humble is. guy. But I, I will tell you that I, I have seen changes in him, and I understand that, that I mean, it just just kind of his entire way of, of being has changed since this has happened. Right. And how could and, it not? Exactly. And, and, that's, and that's what happens. You know, you, you, you hear about people, they, they, they have these near-death experiences, and they come back a totally different person. Yeah. I mean, just... Personality. He's not totally well. different, but he's he's no. there's definitely you know, there's there's some new Rob in there. So right. and I, I'm really happy that he came on and talked because near death experiences are of course fascinating to me. And we've talked about them with, with uh, Dr. Moody academically on the show. Mm-hmm. But right. to talk to somebody now who's who's been there and had this experience, I think it makes it very different. So I just looked at the time. We have a little business we need to take care of. Right. So we are off the next two weeks. Yep. Uh, because Holidays. it's Christmas. It's Christmas and New Year's, and you know we're going to be opening presents and eating and stuff. So Cheryl, do we know who's coming on when we first come back that week that we're back, which is like what the seventh, eighth? We do not. Okay. We do oh, not. It'll yeah, be the a, a super but, secret surprise yeah. guest. Check our website, paranormalunderground.net, for an upcoming lineup, which hopefully I'll have here soon. There you go, our starting lineup. Um, and then tonight on Chuck's show, he is going to be talking to medium, author, and speaker Anthony Canada. And he is also the, oh, that's right. It's the Harold the Doll guy. He can be talking about Harold the Doll. <laughs> Haunted objects, and you know Rob or Rob, uh, uh, Chuck has a haunted doll himself, so it'll be great. Uh, so yeah. stick around for Chucky e. G in the Dark Radio right after this fine program, and um, Chuck will be off for the next two weeks as well. So in the meantime, you know we would like to wish you all a very happy holiday, whether you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or nothing or Kwanzaa or something else altogether. Uh, we hope that you take time this holiday season to really appreciate those that you love and spend some time with your loved ones. Happy holidays, everyone. That's right. And so we'll be back in two weeks, uh, January 8th, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. If you'd like to be a guest on Paranormal Underground Radio, email editor at paranormalunderground.net. 
Until next time, keep exploring the unexplained at ParanormalUnderground.net. Please join us next week for Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network.